Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Sport and Life. Thank you for hitting on the button. Do appreciate it. We've got, I think, for the first time, or one of the first times, a repeat, uh, a guest, a repeat performance from former Cheltenham and Bradford footballer, now property entrepreneur, father of two, Shane Duff, who's back, I think, roughly about a year, isn't it, since your last time, Shane? It must be about a year, yeah. How, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. Thank you for having me on again. Well, yeah. Well, we see. Well, I see you regularly, so it's a kind of jogs my mind because you're uh, you're down the Dave, as they call it. Is it King Gary? They call it the Dave. I think the new show on BBC, right. the set in Essex, the David Lloyd Gym, and you, you're there building your property empire. But you recently posted you've done two years in that, and I don't know what's really interesting from our first chat because we talked about football and that defining moment you felt the decision you made about making it stuck with me. And I've talked about it with other people. You said, you know, one summer you decided to just look for the ball more to to go after it to I guess need to achieve rather than need to hide a little bit like any, anyone that's been in that trial situation be it you know a football trial or a screen test in, in my line of work whatever it might be there's a sense to almost not want to make a mistake but that sort of resonated with me so it's interesting I'm chatting to you about the property stuff because it feels like you're kind of having to, to take that mentality not only in doing your own property investment but also coaching others that trying to get them to be fearless I suppose yeah, and it was a big, it was a big milestone in my life. Where two years ago, mm. I was I was working really, really, really hard in someone else's business, and I was doing property stuff on the side. Yeah, um, and at the time, my 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 only child at the time was six months old. I'd already been doing some property work in the last few years, so I was really confident in my knowledge. Yeah, but it wasn't making me enough money to put in my pocket. It was making some money, but then you were moving it on. Okay, so it's I the next project. Yeah, so I wasn't actually getting, it wasn't making a difference to my lifestyle. Um, and I thought, this isn't what I'm doing this for. So going back to the football thing where the penny dropped, I thought, you know what, I just need to commit. Mm. But I only committed because I had the backing of my fiance Alice. Yeah, but that's a huge thing with, with a six-month-old, isn't it? Because I know you coach some younger guys who are either in their teens or 20s. and It's a, it's a different sort of equation, isn't it? It is, because the, the old, I suppose it's maybe a bit historic, you think, oh, I'm the father figure, I'm, I, I want to be the breadwinner, I want to provide. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're basically making yourself unemployed without replacing your income first. What were you doing at that time as a regular job? I was, doing, I was working in, a, in one of my, my friend's company in a, in a sales job. Mm. So it's a job that I did, but it was really demanding. I was driving to Derby every day. Really? Uh, yeah, driving daily. Work at JCB was a client of mine. Okay. Um, Which is actually near Alton Towers, isn't it? JCB. Yeah, well, they, they go right across that border. But it's more yeah. of a... So it went, goes from Stoke all the way across. Yeah, yeah. So it was a Toxeter we used to go to. on a, a Four times a week, at least, we used to go there. And I was doing that, and I was working really, really hard. And I think I was a really, really good employee for them. Mm. And I just thought, you know what? I don't think there's ever going to be... I don't think I'm going to be a part of this business. Mm. I, I was hoping to get in there and be like a stakeholder, a shareholder. Yeah. But was well, too big for you to, to have that role? Um no, it was something but it was the people who the people whose company it was, they had basically put the last seven years of their life into it. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? Just because I've been here a couple of years, then they're not gonna start <laughs> uploading shares to me. That, that, how long was it taking you to get to Derby then? On a is that five days a week? Uh, I used to drive up to Tewkesbury, which took me twenty five minutes to get to Tewkesbury, pick up the van at six o'clock and get up there for eight. Yeah. And then I'd probably, so I'd leave the house at maybe half five in the morning. What van was it? So you had to, actual physical things you were selling from the van? We had, to, we had to go and do the work, the, pro, the product that we were selling. Yeah. To do with all the JCB engines, we had to go there and do it also. So we would, 
basically taking materials, product up there, and were you, were you on photo shoots and stuff and things like that at all? Or? Uh, no, not JCB. A friend of no. mine in Cheltenham actually is is a photographer and works for JCB doing all their kind of oh, okay digger shoots and stuff like that. Uh, they must have missed out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no. So I was doing a lot. I was working really, really hard, and I thought, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I need to do it now. Yeah, because with with a child six months old, I'm thinking, you know what? He's not going to notice now. So we ended up. We made the commitment. We moved. We were in a one bedroom flat. The child in our bedroom, and we thought, let's let's just do this, and yeah, and it's amazing how how good you get at executing stuff. So you made your outgoings as small as possible, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outgoings as small as possible, batten down the hatches. You said your car your car payment is seven sixty eight pounds a month. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah, <laughs> I've been, I've been mugged off with a couple of mine, but that's uh, but it's it's a little VW, isn't it? It does the job, I guess. It was no, I did a got a really good deal down at Completely Motoring. Yes, um, yeah, we, which are fantastic. Yeah, to be fair, I've had a long standing relationship with them. He, he, in his office now, he's still got my Northern Ireland strip that I gave him back in two thousand and one. Oh, Robert Rob Island, Rob Island, yeah. So yeah. he's he he still talks about it now, and he, he it's he's been around the town a long time, long standing relationship, and if you can. Uh, keep these relationships going yeah it's, it's a nice thing yeah but that's amazing for you to convince your how long have you been with your partner before you made that choice um i've probably been with her at the time maybe four or five years yeah um and she was fully she she was really really behind it she, if it was her decision she, i'd have probably done that six mm. months before but we did we went for it and now two years on it is quite a big milestone thinking but yeah look what's happening now inside two years yeah and we've got a lot going on now i've got three different projects on the go a big one in Cheltenham. Yeah, is, huge one. Is it, so what, technically, is that Lansdowne? Is that the Lansdowne yeah, part of Cheltenham? Or what Old Bath Road, uh, Leckhampton. Yeah, Leckhampton. So it's in Leckhampton. It's six houses on the market, selling them for just over £4.4 million. Pounds. Wow. What, um, not, in, not collectively? Collectively, the six yeah. houses are worth that. Um, in Manchester, I'm doing a pub conversion um, up in Oldham, yeah. um, which is a old derelict pub. We're turning that into 11 units. So people, it, they'll either be little mini studio flats or bedrooms with an ensuite yeah and then we just got a little a bungalow that we're doing and we're renovating up in upton oh, okay upton upon seven yeah 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 so it's good. Ju- upton jazz festival I used to go there as a kid very nice yeah it's, a, it's just a really it's a it's a rundown um derelict bungalow that we're just trying to turn into we're trying to do something quite funky with it and turn it into a totally electric house oh, wow. um, the time at the sign of the times <laughs> but the development's really really good because i've jumped i've jumped into into bed so to speak with some other people who have mm. been doing developing yeah so we've kind of come together as as a group to get this deal done and uh it's it's going really well that's the big one in Cheltenham yeah the, yeah. yeah there's a nice story about that one as well Cause, because cause what, what is the best as a property investor just as a an aside because obviously Cheltenham has got this sort of freakishly buoyant market that's almost outperformed the rest of the country isn't it yeah. it's I think partly that's also to do within Cheltenham with like what location you are in the town because it's quite Jekyll and Hyde in terms of, of the areas in the town and, and where you are as we know because we live in a nice area but we've got a three bed semi so it's just moving out from there it's quite difficult if you do it in this area it's it's almost impossible but it's is it better to buy in a market like that or is it better to go somewhere like Manchester or Oldham where you can pick up something cheaply I think it purely depends on what the end game is um if you're going to stay in Cheltenham for the rest of your life yeah you might be best just trying to just get onto the ladder yeah, and get on it, and hopefully any rise in the market you're gonna you're gonna see. Mm. But the reason why we I've decided to go something in Manchester is to try and invest in Manchester because Manchester's a growing area. Yeah, and it's if you if you drive up there now, it's like London was many years ago, where there's cranes everywhere, lots of development yeah. going on. The, so you predict that will take off, will it? Particularly with the the, the high HS 
high speed train or whatever, not to be yeah. too political. So if it, that's been a if it contentious happens. one. If it happens, but yes, but to to buy like for example, to buy the pub in Manchester, yes it was closed and it needs a hell of a lot of work doing on it. Yeah. It was hundred and eighty thousand pounds. We're actually, we're spending way more on it than what it cost us to buy. So yeah. You bought that around this area in Cheltenham. It's a big pub as well, isn't it? Or was a big pub. Yeah, it's it's just a, a nice there's nothing else around it, car park next to a church. But you couldn't buy that in Cheltenham. So mm. you need you just need to get going in Cheltenham, you just probably need some bigger pockets. Yeah. But we were we were chatting at the gym and you were sort of talking about how it worked and how you got investors and, and everything like that. You I mean it's incredible, your arithmetic. I mean you went back and did GCSE math now, you'd probably sail through, wouldn't you? It's uh, it's phenomenal. But I just it was interesting, you inherently you do need to know the fickle nature of the market of each town, don't you? You go to yeah. because it is it is so different when you sort of go up and down the road and I was looking at you know the, the the affordability index and how most of the towns and cities in the north compared rent compared to the value is is a lot more affordable for people up there than it is in the in the south yeah so it's, it's, it's a lot goes into the pot so how, I mean, how long does it take to research the local market um when you know what you're doing not a lot mm. and that's where there's in my opinion now um there's a lot of difference between knowledge and execution You've got lots of people who don't know how to do something, so they never do it. Yeah. But then you've got lots of people who research and research and research and get all the information, but it still stops them. They don't actually do anything. Yeah. So it's stepping into the unknown a little bit, and I took a really big leap into the unknown. I would some would some would say it was a a foolish risk. I would say it was an educated risk. Yeah. Um. And most I'm a big believer of fears. Fear stops you. Yeah. But actually, when you think about what the fear is, what is it in reality? It's actually not a lot. Yeah, so well, it's, my, a, it's a calculation of a risk, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, well, my, and the, the reason why I ended up quitting the job was I thought, well, if this goes terribly wrong, mm. I just go and get another job. Mm. Yeah. I, thought, I'm yeah. highly, I thought, I'm highly employable. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, um, I think I can add value to any workplace, depending on what it is. I think I would learn whatever it is I needed to do. So I just thought, well, let's just go about it that way. <laughs> my wife's just giving me a cheeky grin walking past. She's uh, <laughs> waving at us now. She had her hair done. Looks, looks very nice. Um, but that, that, yeah, that calculated risk, but it's interesting, but your partner fully, that must give, in a sense, gives you belief, doesn't it, that she believed that you could pull it off? Huge, absolutely huge. Um, and then when she, she was there when I invested in, I invested in a, a coach myself, mm. which was quite a sizable amount of money. Yeah. So not only did I quit my job, some money that we did have, I gave to someone else to say, right, you just push me and yeah. make me work hard. Yeah. So yeah, she was fully behind it, and it's I can't I can't uh, underestimate the the value of having that rock behind you and and alongside you just to go. Don't and she doesn't really want to know all the information about everything that goes on. No, she just goes. You know, I support you. Crack on. Yeah, because if she knew everything ins and outs, it'd be sort of like the rising stress. So you sort of buffer yeah. her, buffer her from that. How important is it to go all in? Do you think with these projects sometimes? Because it's difficult. Everyone has those side projects, and you say the knowledge as well isn't it that we can get that information in our spare time online but sometimes it's just the, the question of time and energy and mm. do we need to throw it all into one one spot um i think it's important to go all in so long as it's not reckless with money mm. um i think people do need to spend something to commit because in society these days people don't value anything unless they pay yeah and i actually did a bit of a, a social experiment i offered like um to people i'm in a network with i offered them like a free um tour around a development site Mm. But actually, I made them pay £10. I said, pay £10, transfer it into my account, and when you turn up, I'll give it you back. Yeah. 35 people turned up. <laughs> I did the same exercise not long ago. I just said, I couldn't be bothered with the £10. I couldn't be bothered with the administration of it. Yeah. I just went, we'll turn up. And about 20 people said they were coming. 
five people ended up turning up because yeah. it was free. You yeah. don't see the value. Um, but I do think it is important to go all in regarding your effort because information, everything we need to know in life is on Google. Mm. You've just got to know the reliability of the source. You sound like Gary Vaynerchuk. That's is it? Gary V, isn't it? It's what oh, he always says, true. the Google thing, yeah. Well, people say, he said, oh, well, if you don't know how to do something, it's on Google. Yeah. And it, and it absolutely is. But people don't like dealing that way. I, I don't like dealing that way. I wouldn't mm. want to sit there and read Google for the rest of my life. Well, that's the thing. But you invested in a coach. What is the advantage? Is there still an inherent advantage of having a human being that, that kind of sits down with you and, and runs you through it, as opposed to writing, reading a blog or bullet points online? Well, for me, definitely, because him single-handedly, um, because they, they comp- their company is called The Real Life Group, and they run like a whole training, training programme. Mm. Um, and he... There was no way. I was driving in Cheltenham and got offered this opportunity. And at the time, we thought, oh, it's an opportunity to buy a plot of land, essentially, for £1.5 million. Mm. As it happened, I didn't have any money in the bank. <laughs> and to get this deal done... Will you take, yeah, will you take 50 quid? I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought, OK, how do we do this? And we, um, in six weeks, we managed to put together a deal that was £1.9 million purchase, where we needed to raise five to 600 So the price went up from one point five to one point nine. Yes, because we thought we were buying five houses, but it ended up we bought six, or the, the plot for six houses. Okay. So, and the coaching aspect of that was he just made me think differently. Mm. Um, he, and it wasn't information he was giving me. None of it was, I wasn't, he wasn't, con, I wasn't a consultant. No. Uh, sorry, he wasn't a consultant. He wasn't, he wasn't coaching you and saying, oh, Cheltenham prices are no. however many pounds per square foot. He was no. actually giving you, what, psychological tools. Cyclos, all sorts, whether just basically whatever I needed. Mm. And okay, and he would call me out on a lot of stuff. That just say sometimes my little voice gets in your head and then, <laughs> oh, there's a reason. Because for example, there was one time I wanted to buy another pub in Manchester and yeah. I needed to try and raise one hundred and fifty thousand pounds in a week. Um, and this is just one typical example. And I go, oh, I missed out on that pub. And he went, oh, did you want it? I went, yeah. He went, oh, who did you call? So I told him. I said, yeah, I spoke to some friends, spoke to some people. He went, who? And I had, he made me list the people I'd spoken to. Really? And, I, and actually, in reality, it was about five people. Yeah. And he just said, you didn't want it. I went, what do you mean? I said, I did, I did want it. And he went, no, you didn't. He said, it was quite clear that by your, your actual actions that you took, you, didn't, you weren't willing to do whatever it took yeah. to make that deal happen. And I was like, yeah, he's got a point. So yeah. it's, there's lots of that that goes on. And he steered, he steered me to where do I find the information or where do I find the people? Mm-hmm. And if you asked him... Like even now, I couldn't, I, couldn't put, I couldn't do a development like this on my own. Mm-hmm. So I needed the thought process of trying to find the right people who I could do it with. Yeah. And that's ultimately what I've, what I've ended up doing. The right people who would then find investors, is that? Well, no, I, they're finding investors. So I, I, I decided if I wanted to do a development, I need to find someone who has got development experience because the bank would end up lending Mm. in relation to experience oh, okay. at the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the first person I met and then um, was Andrew and then Andrew um, knew two other people called Ben and Dan. Mm. They And so we basically came together as a Ford to put the deal together. And they yeah. were like, right, come on then, how do we make this work? <laughs> and we all just bashed around the table and worked really, really hard. And yes, we put some money at risk at the yeah. front end, which was our own. Um, and... So far, so far, so far it's, it's worked. It's funny being a parent because you see kids do role plays and they play with money and they pretend this and that. And it's because we were having a conversation and you were talking about how so much of it is is almost just creative and imagination because you're you're labeling money one thing and then you're you're changing it. So you get a bank loan to fund part of it and pay yeah. the investors back, but then that bank loan you can replace with a mortgage. Mm. It's all just money, 
but it's got a different label attached to it, isn't it? It's almost just how much is imagination part of the process? Yeah, it is. You got to be quite creative, and it's great, and that's where money, money is, money is everywhere, and mm. it's making sure the flow of money's right. Money can, like banks' money and mortgage money, is the cheapest money around at the moment. So, if you can have a good strategy in place and a good plan in place, you can make it work. So on this, on the deals that we're working on now, all the people who have come on board, like from an invest, investor's point of view. They're going to get paid very, very well, mm. and they get paid first. Yeah, no one else gets. But the, the the only people that get paid before them is the bank. Yeah, and then their people, our money that we make is probably left in the company anyway. And it's just it, how important is just real life experience in this role? It's not something you can necessarily do a course, a university, no, or study for. It's just that because you said that you want credit with people. It's about character and about performance and momentum, isn't it? Yeah, credibility is huge. Um, but experience is, some people say that experience is the only teacher. Yeah. And I'm actually a big believer of that because back in maybe five, six years ago, I, I spent a lot of money on property education, which was information getting spoken to me and I'd write notes and that was it. And yeah. I then had to go and implement it and, ex- and execute it. And I did, but it was very slow. Mm. And then just by having a coach there who I was literally having weekly calls with, I had 36 calls over the course of a year, like yeah. so three calls a month. And it, thing, things just happened. And the only thing that changed was I was actually implementing a lot more. Yeah. Just by having the accountability, the support, everything around really, which was great for me. Just learning what it is like to be an, be an investor. It's funny about that formal education stuff because I've been doing a fitness instructor's course on the side and there's a nutrition component to that. And it's, it's strange because living in a world, like I said, there's information everywhere. And obviously I'm privy to people talking about carnivore and, and all this kind of stuff. And it, that nutrition course is still very much the same as when I was doing sports science 15 20 years ago it's 50% carbohydrate 55% and it's all this thing where mm. there's so much out there that's sort of conjecture but it's almost like this is rooted in fact that you do think you're probably better off you know when you do a fitness instructing course just going shadowing a fitness instructor for six weeks almost or, or just starting to do it because Absolutely. there's all this theorizing for a lot of obviously there's professions like medicine where you need to know <laughs> what body parts you're dealing with and, and symptoms of disease and there's only one way to do that you can't necessarily just learn that on the job but it's it's an interesting world that, that sometimes you just need to do it to, to dive in it is and, and it's, it's been huge because now you, your people have a problem and now now i coach people so people come to me and they say they might give me a question and rather i've got the answer in my head yeah, and it would make me feel really good just to give them the answer. Yeah, but you might steer them to okay, where can you find it? Because that experience that you're going to put them through, they're going to learn. Well, you showed me um, text message from a, a young guy who you're working with, and he had said something to you like he was going to put a property, an offer on a property that was a desirable property, mm. but was going off for a course or something like that, and he'd do it when he got back. Yeah, and then you called him on it, and ultimately I think he ended up putting an offer on it before he went on the course, didn't he, or something? I think because yeah, he would it was, because we do that thing of delayed. Yeah, delaying when we know something's right. Sometimes we delay psychologically. We just sometimes we there's a lot of things that we don't do just because of fear. Yeah, and his fear was well, oh well, actually, what if I can't commit and I can't follow through with the the project? Yeah, well, actually, he, he doesn't know. So <laughs> it's actually is it's easier not to make the offer because you don't have a decision to make there. But it's something weird things like being a human. It's like time of day and stuff, isn't it? They say that human beings struggle to make decisions after midday or so. it's like people are better generally in the morning they're fresher they've got because making a decision apparently requires energy yeah so they'd rather say if you came in and said to them will you invest in this money then maybe they'd be more likely if they if they're fresh in the morning to invest in making a decision a yes or a no whereas it's more like to put it off in the afternoon and say oh i'll think yeah. about it tomorrow i don't know whether that's because i sometimes think about that with work when you're going in to ask your boss for a promotion or something should you 
try and make sure you schedule a morning appointment or something. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's important to know when you work best. Like I'm quite good in the mornings. Yeah. So if I'm doing any laptop stuff, I try and do that in the a.m. as opposed to p.m. Yeah. Because I get distracted. I like talking to people. And my worst days are when I'm sat in front of the laptop all day. You've only got a six-minute workout to do, though. That's the thing. You can do your, your, hit, your hit workout in the gym and you, you're gone in the blink of an eye. Well, that's, that's uh, even that's, since the second child's arrived, that's... Um, that's gone on the back burner. <laughs> well, sometimes you have to, yeah, prioritise sleep sometimes, don't you? It's an interesting one. When you've got a baby, you just have to... Well, yeah, it is, it's, it's Alice, really. She's, at the moment, she's she's the one she's breastfeeding, so she's getting, yeah. getting put through the mill. So if I'm not actually working, I try and do something from the house yeah. so that I can potentially take the, the baby off her in the morning just to give her a couple of hours yeah. proper sleep. Yeah. And I know she really appreciates it, but my work suffers, but you, you've got to do what's right, haven't you? Well, it's, yeah, it's a difficult, because I was freelance when my little girl was born in 2014 and I had to go back to work because I'd taken two weeks off before she was born. She was really, she was about 17 days late at the end because of whatever. <laughs> she got ended up coming emergency cesarean. Then I had to go back to work within five days and you realise that actually there's a lot of pressure now for, for two people to try and work full time and to, to bring up babies. It's, it's really hard and sometimes you do need a partner. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's the man who stays at home. But whatever way it is, sometimes to build something, it's very hard to say I'm going to do 50-50 childcare and a job, isn't it? I think you, you sometimes need one of you to focus on one thing and the other on the other. It is. And it was one of the reasons why I quit my job because I was working five days a week. Mm. But I was doing property stuff in the evenings and weekends. So I wasn't at home anyway. Yeah. So by by going um, self-employed, every Monday I have for my boy. Mm. So I just solely, solely me and him. Mm. And Alice used to then have him on a Friday when he went to nursery. Yeah. So he had a really good balance. So he, he got, um, now he's two and a half. He's got, I've got a really good relationship with him. He's got a fantastic relationship with his mum. And it's just a nice balance. And it's, yeah. It's what you, you, you start living life on your own terms a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you do. How's, how's the baby? How's number two been? Is all right. Do you know what? I feel like I don't really know him. Really? <laughs> because <laughs> because his, uh, his mum's obviously so important in his life right now and you've got another one, you've got the toddler. Mm. So you generally just start, you just basically prioritise yeah. the older one because you don't want him to feel uh, left out at all. My little girl, she's five and she's just starting to sort of enjoy doing stuff with me. It used to be almost punishment because she was such a mummy's girl, you know, from spending time. And, yeah. I guess like you say, breastfeeding was a big part of that. She's, was, I can now sort of, if she's restless in the night, she's five, but she still sometimes is restless. I, she can, I can go to bed with her for a bit and whatever, where she wouldn't accept that when she was younger. It always had to be mum, which kind of, yeah. you know, poor Carla. Yeah. Never, never got a night's <laughs> sleep. So it's, but it's, it's interesting how those dynamics, those, they develop. No, and it'll be, he's great, obviously, whether in the evening I might have a little bit of a cuddle and things like that, and you do what you need to do. Yeah. But you know, you know it's his mum that's the important He's also going to have a big brother as well, which is someone to entertain him. Yeah. So you just fast forward a few years and get there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do, but that's, yeah, energy-wise, I mean, how do, you, how do you maintain your energy for when you're at home? Because this sort of job, I'm guessing, is full on, and you were saying to me that you couldn't even go in the sauna at the gym because your mind's full of numbers and calculating yeah. things. How do you switch off from that do you turn your phone off do you leave it downstairs do I'm trying to go and, I, and that's that's the hardest thing sometimes because I'm trying to manage time now where even the time before when Oscar comes home from nursery or before going to bed yeah you try and get to a stage where actually you just you just put the phone in a different room because you can always look at it and you, we're we're wired up for distraction now yeah but I do find it hard to switch off yeah like this morning um one of my coaching clients they're A&E doctors yeah so I was on I was online with them this morning at 6am wow and then you might have some other clients, so they might want to call at say half eight at night. So it's really, so it's really stretched. The pressure. The A and E doctors who are also doing property investment on the side. Yeah. I mean, how do they find the time to do that? That's phenomenal. 
Yeah, no, they're doing really, really well. They're, they're a Romanian couple there. They're based in Cardiff. Yeah. And they, they've only just started. They started in November and they're, they're already doing really, really well. Um, but they must be working nights and all sorts, of they? Well, yeah, because it's hard to... They, they work different shift patterns as well. Ooh, so to see your, to get yeah. some stuff t- together, they have got two kids. It's, uh, it, but people, if they want it hard enough, you'll you'll find the yeah. time. Yeah. Do they? Enjoy, do you think you have to enjoy something like that? It's not just the end goal because presumably money's great, but it's it's not going to get you through if you don't enjoy it. No, and one of the first things a lot of people, I would I would say this is just my opinion. A lot of people don't really know what they're living for, mm. or they don't have any big targets or goals that they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I try and get people to do is to if you can focus on some goals and try and get some sort of emotional attachment to the goals and try and make them big mm. because naturally we pr- protect ourselves and if we don't think big we don't fail yeah. but equally we always don't we don't think of the, the bad stuff too we kind of just we <laughs> compartmentalise it a bit and we just sit in that little safety zone sit in the comfort zone um, so you try and get people to stretch to think big and if they think big and start going into the um, uncomfortable zone and out of their comfort zone they start failing and they start struggling and yeah. they, they're into realms where they don't know where they're going. But then if they've got a strong emotional attachment to where they're going, mm. that's that's the thing that's going to keep them going. So they this week, they're going on a holiday, these clients. Yeah. And they've actually set all their actions around themselves. Okay, mm. well, we've probably neglected our home life a little bit. What can we do? Yeah. That's going to focus on... You're not offering romantic advice to couples as well, are you? <laughs> but it's, and it's amazing. And I'm a bit, um, I don't know whether you're aware of Tony Robbins or anything Yeah, like that. Yeah, so you're talking about his, his why. He talks about you need a why. Yeah. So, yeah, and different human needs. People, because if you get so focused on where you're going, you forget what you're doing it for. Mm. And yes, you might, have, you might have targets, but targets in my eyes are different to goals. Mm. Some people might have a money target. Oh, I want to build a property portfolio worth £5 million. Mm. And I go, okay, let's just imagine you're there and you've got it. Then what? What are you going to do? Yeah. So it's what you're actually you're still, doing and the yeah. experiences you want. What lifestyle are you aspiring to? But I do think it's important to be ambitious and have lofty goals, but they have to be realistic to your skill set, your attributes, and also your passions, don't they, I think, to a certain extent. Because if you were doing property for a long time, but you hated property, you hated looking at property, you had no interest in it, it'd be really hard just to do it for a financial gain. Exactly. And as soon as you get that financial gain, it's not the the property is generally the vehicle. Mm. Some people like using property because it's been proven <clears throat> in the last fifty years to be a fantastic investment. Yeah. So that's why people are in that. But then yes, people love property because of the architecture and what yeah. they like about its design. But ultimately, it's a vehicle. And some people, you can, I've, I've met people myself. They're massive, massive property investors. They don't enjoy property, mm. but actually now it's the, it's what the property can supply them whether yeah. it's financial to give them whether it's they want to live they want to live on a different continent but they're not doing all the, the sort of nitty gritty work that you're doing either they're just giving you the, the money they're not having to to communicate with all these different people with banks to get loans with investors to flip things it's yeah because they, they leverage it up now they're at the start you haven't got the money to employ many people you've got to get you've got to get mm. get your hand on your hands and knees and start grafting yeah like, earning a bit of a well you need to it's your apprenticeship almost isn't it Mm. And then you can work out, okay, like my biggest thing for me was I worked out that I didn't have to be the expert at everything. Yeah. Whereas I, as a footballer, you generally, you're, you are in complete control of your physical body and that is what you mm. use to play football. Although I suppose within that, you had to know your 
skill set as a footballer, didn't you? Yeah. You couldn't sort of say, I'm going to start dribbling around everyone. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, maybe. No, no. <laughs> From what people have said, I can't remember. Yeah, you know. well, they, they've told you well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it is key. But not only, it's not only knowing what you're good at, but it's also knowing what you're not good at mm. and trying to fill those gaps. So this development, I just had to find people who filled the gaps that I couldn't mm. fill. And then likewise, I was adding value to them because I was doing all the bits that they couldn't do. Yeah. So that's why the, the partnership was working well at the moment. Is it talking about football is interesting because I didn't play to anywhere near to your level, but played a bit of semi-professional at Loughborough Uni when I was there. And I used to coach summers in the States and do Manchester United soccer schools in the UK and Ireland. And I always remember you'd always come back and have a bit of a buoyancy because you spent the whole summer with a football at your feet every day doing Cruyff turns, teaching kids the different turns and dribbling shots, you know, long passes, all that kind of stuff. And actually felt your game improve because you were having to think and break down techniques and do the repetition more than you would be normally just training with your, your team or whatever. Do you find that you're better because you're coaching these people as well? well I think my natural skill set is that because mm. when I played football, I was a, I was a leader. Um, I was always like the, the, I was a good communicator. So I was like a middle person between whether it was players and management. And then when I finished playing football, I retrained as a teacher. Yeah. Um, so I became, again, the middle person, transfer yeah. of information. And then even now, to this day, I still work for the Football Association, delivering coaching courses. Yes. So again, it's transfer. So communication is actually a key thing. That's not just the detail yeah. of the jobs you've been doing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a common thread. Relationship building, rapport. It's all like, all the skill set that you've got. It's actually building a relationship with someone, building a trust someone, and actually being able to push them to get the most out of them. Yeah. And that's why I do a lot of um, personal development stuff. Like you say, the Tony Robbins workout. Because mm. to try and not make it about me, yeah, because if you make it about them, you can help serve them better. Mm. But whereas sometimes your own ego gets in the way and goes, "Oh well, I need to make sure I know the answer because it makes me feel good." <laughs> but it's but when you're coaching people and you're saying, "Make the call now," pushing them through it when they're faced with doubt or whatever, you can then presumably that's fresh in your mind when you encounter those same yeah. things because you're coaching them to do the same thing that you're doing now, aren't you? Yeah, and whether it's the same, whether it's the same, but ultimately, yes, you're, if you're trying to get them to be better at certain things, mm. you can certainly transfer lots of that into your own life. Absolutely, and it keeps you, it keeps you current, it keeps you fresh. Yeah, it just keeps you moving in the right direction, and because you're constantly around these people who are experiencing massive growth, that you almost use them as a bit of a inspiration, or yeah. their, their oxygen on your own fire to keep yeah. to keep you burning. You know, well, that's another Tony Robbins thing that I remember resonated with me. Sort of a YouTube thing he talks about the. Is it the five people? I think he got it from Jim Rohn, who was his mentor, was about the you're an aggregate of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. So it's that that idea as well. Not to necessarily decide that your best friends aren't successful enough, but it's just to, to, to gravitate towards positive people or people who are achieving because it almost drags you up with you know, get dragged See, up. Definitely so. You just but just as a byproduct of sometimes being stood in the room or being privy to a conversation, you learn things all the time. Yeah. Um, and I'm constantly, whenever I go down to the site and I listen to the project manager talking to the lead contractor who are both business partners as well, mm. sometimes I just, I, and I know, I know my place, I'm like, listen lads, I don't have a clue what you're talking about here, can I just listen and learn? Yeah. And I play, make a bit of a joke. Yeah. A bit of a joke but you'll probably try and get constructors that are just upbeat and people like that and you know, generally be around yeah, good it, people makes a difference. It is, and if you're constantly, you want, I want to be around people that are holding me to a higher, higher standard than what I've generally potentially held myself because I was always that sort of modest guy oh yeah it's okay yeah. a bit bashful so I've almost learned to actually know my own value yeah and know how I can be useful to other people and then when and actually acknowledge myself for all the good things you do which it's not very British to be that way mm. to go no I don't know what 
I'm, yeah, it's funny the difference. I'm good for you. <laughs> but I lived in the States and I went to college out there. It was, the difference was amazing. Like people would openly talk about salaries, about being ambitious to do more. It's a, it was a different a different mindset. And obviously, they've got a lot of poverty and struggles in the States. It's more of a polarised community. But it's a general sort of ethos. There seemed to be a bit more transparency about things like that and less sort of cynicism. Mm. Definitely so. And it's, uh, it is weird because whether it's just the way we were all brought up yeah, I don't know, but people actually do seem to be a bit more open now, especially when you talk about salaries. You go into workplaces now, and it's rife. Everyone's talking. I think about you that. need to be, don't you? Otherwise, people don't know what they're getting and what someone else is. Sort yeah. of like, there's a lot of clothes and stuff. Must be health, health and management. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose social media helps potentially with that as well. That people are more transparent about things, and there's more more information out there generally with the the internet and everything. Because you you talk about sort of facing your fears and stuff. What about doing you? Because you do your videos, don't you? Document everything online yeah. and you encourage your, your students to do that as well is that basically to, to be a sort of a marketing tool for investors well you've got to the first thing if you're if you're potentially looking to bring on investment to work with you as financial partners because as soon as you if you've got your own money and you invest it in property you can't do any more yeah unless you potentially you're offering investors an opportunity to earn money yeah so and it but some people don't like the the concept of taking money off other people but ultimately you're providing a service so if you can try and provide a produce a solution that's going to work for you and work for them, it does that. But then if you approach these people and they don't know what you do, the first yeah. because we're in the life of social media, search you out, yeah. People people want to know what you're doing, and people want to know almost all you are you credible. So that straight away now, employers and investors go on your social media to see what you're saying, see what you see what just you're just doing. by filming the fact you're physically on a building site shows yeah. that you're active. Yeah, active. It's there's a whole no like and trust. No one's going to invest in you if they don't know you. Mm. And yes, but obviously you're part of people who you know, and lots of people in this area know me. So which is quite nice that it's if they know me, they know what sort of person I am. I know what they know what my character's like. But just to say potentially in the future, as I try to grow, people may be aware of me when I don't know them at the moment. Mm. And that's obviously yes, it's not nice because when I was a footballer, my Facebook profile was very closed and very insular. And now it's almost, I've almost, <laughs> I've almost sold my soul to Facebook. But ultimately, for the, for the business, it's it's what I need. Do you do you pay yeah. for Facebook advertising and stuff? I don't. I don't at the moment. No, but ultimately, it's a free marketing mm. tool. So why wouldn't you? Use and how it? how do you find yourself being on camera and documenting it and, and sort of narrating when you do your tours of the the building sites? How do you yeah. find that process? It's it's very much you know it's not perfect. Just do it. Yeah. I, need, I need to do I need to do a lot more of it because I think there's what I don't think is value other people would probably find mm. value I would probably find myself repeating myself yeah but then but you, but you I, don't get better without doing it exactly and so just say if someone watched a video if, if someone's watched five of my videos already they're going to realize you know what, they're pretty boring um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to watch another one so actually you probably could get away with saying the same thing again yes because you might hit someone new and that might add because it's the new person you're already interested in who potentially might invest. Yeah, you want to you wanna add value to somebody. So someone goes, do you know what? It'd be, I, like that. I like that person. They'd be interested to reach out. Is it, they, would they be interested in working with me as a coaching client? Mm. Would they be interested in working with us as investors? Or would, what do they want to know? Can, can they be involved in property in any way? Presumably, though, for, for people you might coach who are very much introverted and don't want to be on camera, there's still a way of doing it documenting it without necessarily having to be there and, and hold it you know and, yeah. and hold forth in in front of a, a camera it's just trying to work out what's best for them yeah and like because i think i was telling you the other day um some of my coaching clients they're they're like they're 
they're classed as experts. Mm. Um, they've been ambassadors on the um, global women. <laughs> um, they've got portfolios that are into their several, several millions of pounds. They've got in investment properties in, um, in London, in Manchester, in Poland, in Spain. But there's certain elements of that, and they, and I'm, but they employ me as their coach to push them in different ways. And sometimes I think, yeah, but that can't be right because their portfolio is yeah, bigger than yours. Yeah, but it's, it, yeah. it's just not about, it's not about that. It's really, and it's, again, that's a... Well, you think everyone needs almost a coach to just keep them on track and keep yeah. them answerable to them, and themselves. And I've still, I've, I've still got one now myself. Because mm. you've, you've got to keep moving forward and you can easily justify, oh, I've done enough now, I've had a busy year, let's just chill out <laughs> for a month because that one month turns into two months and then you don't do anything. You sometimes do need a rest, though, don't you? I think it's... You do, and I'm hopefully this year we've already got a couple of things planned later on in the year, mm. um, where we will just hopefully just go away with the family and just sit for a week and yeah. not do a lot, or, do even, you, or even just schedule little bits of time where I can work. You've got your black notebook with all these calculations. Does that help writing it in there to get it out of your head? Because otherwise, presumably, you end up walking around with it bouncing around in your head. Oh, if I borrow one hundred fifty thousand, I'll be able to get three apartments on there that I'll be worth 500,000 and then I'll get a mortgage yeah. in, you know, and, and the rental value is X, Y, Z. Do you, by getting it out onto paper, does it help you just relax the rest of the time? Is it, um, no, I wouldn't say it does because it's always note form. It's always, I like speaking to people. I, like, I always ask other people's opinions. Mm. Even though I've already made my own assessment, there'll be some people in property, I quite like their opinion and sometimes it's different to mine. Yeah. And I've actually thoughts on this and just listen. Because one thing I've learned massively is listening is listening is huge. Yeah. Finding out what people. If if you're listening, you're learning. If you're talking, you're not learning anything. No. You're basically just trying to impose yourself <laughs> on other people. Um, and you can if you listen to what people say, you take it on board and you decipher that information. You think, okay, that's interesting because they've ultimately come up with that through their own experience. Yeah. So it's uh. It's well, really... pro- property itself is in the market and everything like that when you're a kid you think oh adults have got it sussed down they've got this almost concrete system and then you realise that so much of it is just based on emotion and, and human instincts isn't it like the property market for example you know lots of places has, has been kind of paralysed by the Brexit uncertainty so it's about yeah. how people are feeling affects these, num- these numbers so f- I guess for you there's a sense that property generally does over time go up but there's always these, these ups and downs which you're not quite sure according to the nation's mood Property is massively... Well, any decisions are based on emotions. And if you can try and make... Personally, now, if you try and make as many decisions that don't include emotion, that's going to be better, mm. better for your business. And you're completely right with the whole Brexit thing. The chances are, now Brexit's happened, all of a sudden the property market has started getting a bit of life into it. But mm. in reality, not a lot has happened other than people <laughs> yeah. go, oh, we're, we're, not, we're not going to die, for example. Yeah. And nobody know, really knows what we're going to do. Still, nobody knows the outcome of Brexit, the good or the bad. But it was weird, wasn't it? It was just three and a half years of suspended animation, really. Yeah. And it's just, it, again, it's fear. Fear of what? It's the unknown. Mm. And even now, nobody knows what's actually going to happen, but people are willing to move forward because we've, we've gone past that day. Oh, but we okay. have to adapt to whatever comes. So we can now start moving. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting. interesting to see how it happens. But if we can take the emotion out of everything... Yeah decisions anyway it's uh it certainly helps <laughs> or keeping yourself in a positive emotional state isn't it so that's what yeah. Tony robbins does he jumps in cold water doesn't he and primes himself and all yeah it changes his state it's uh it's quite a big thing actually whether it's affirmations whether it's cold showers whether yeah. it's music anything really to to change change the state that you're in do you think that moment when you decided when you're a Cheltenham town apprentice and you wanted the permanent contract so what year was this, around 2000, something like that? Was so it my first pro contract in 2000, yeah. So around that time, was, was, does that stay with you almost in everything you do in life, that 
just at the moment to to chase something to to go all in, in rather than do that thing that some of us have probably done in football trials where you just don't want to make a mistake and you sort of make a run off the ball yeah. and think oh I've done my bit I look like I'm involved but I don't I'm worried about getting the ball in case I mess it up kind of thing I think I kind of fell into it initially and then when I on the last podcast when I was telling you about that moment I thought you know what something needs to change that was a huge big conscious mindset um mind's um, interpretation and perception of the situation is always key mm. like I was actually watching the Cheltenham Bradford game a few weeks ago um, on the TV. Yeah. And I was watching a game. With, what was the score in that game? Um, did they draw? Was it one? I remember. I Probably. Was it yeah. at? It was at Valley Parade. At Valley Parade. And I, I did my injury that finished me at Valley Parade. Yeah. So I was watching it and I had a bit of a moment. I said, I turned around to Alice and I went, you know what? That's what I paused it and I went, that spot there, that's where my career ended. Wow. And I just said that flippantly and she turned around and she went, no, it didn't. That's where it started. <laughs> and I was like, do you know what? That's such a good. The same, the same situation, just with two sets of di- different sets of eyes on it, makes a huge big difference to what you're going to do. Yeah, do you think, I mean, the fact you weren't a Premier League rich footballer, has it given you more of a focus and impetus and a drive in the second half of your life? Do you think it would be more difficult? Do you feel sorry for some of those guys that, that may be in a position yeah. where they don't need to, to work and have a second career? Yeah, I was a bit, um, I don't think you went through, I don't know what to label it as such, but it was, it was tough and it was hard and you feel a bit sorry for yourself thinking, oh my God, my career's over before everyone else. Um, like with like with uh, Michael, my older brother, having mm. um, he had a fantastic career like for twenty years, and I was only able to play for eleven. Mm. But then actually now you look at it and think, well, actually I've got a head start on this, my second career. Yeah. So, it's... Well, he's doing quite well at Cheltenham Town, Boston. They got a, yeah a one 0 win at Carlisle, long yeah. trip. So felt felt. For the, I mean, that's the thing amazing about sport and commitment. If people could throw that commitment into every walk of their life, you know, people that went up from Cheltenham to Carlisle on a round trip on a Tuesday night. I must not have got back until four in the morning or something. I just think that's that's phenomenal. And I put there's a woman on Linda and I said, Oh hats off to those Cheltenham fans travelling and she got back in touch, she said, Oh my hat's on, it's absolutely freezing here, but it's a good well, good trip. I never up at Brunton Park. I never forget when I played at Carlisle once. And you you go out, if you go out to warm up, you see some fans there and you give them a clap and you say fair play for being there. And I remember running out running out with one of the lads, I can't remember who it was. And I was clapping the fans and then turned to my mate and just went, I can't believe they have travelled this far to watch me and you run around here. <laughs> no, it's just, yeah, it, it, it's, it, is, it is incredible the dedication people get. And it's, yeah, you think they obviously get a purpose and meaning from it and yeah. being part of that. And I suppose you get that kind of camaraderie with sort of 30, 40 of you even that make that trip. Because people who are listening who don't know the geography, it's we're in Cheltenham and that's sort of southwest, west country of England and must be a good five hour drive up to the northwest to Carlisle, mustn't it? Especially if you're it's trying to dice, dice with rush hour around yeah. Manchester and places missing like that. Missing Birmingham, Manchester. We got up there once, north of Manchester, and turned around, frozen pitch. Oh man, <laughs> it's a bit... Yeah, because there's some arguments that League 1 and League 2 should be regionalised. What do you think about that? So... Um, just, for the, just for the fans, but... Nah, they love it. They no, love yeah. it. Football fans love away yeah. days. Well, a lot of the people, a lot of the teams in League One and League Two, which are the third and fourth tier of English football, they actually played in the Premier League at some point. So they yeah, yeah, yeah. had that. It's amazing kind of, the change. And got incredible fan like Sunderland in League One. I got one of the huge, biggest fan bases in the country, probably. Yeah, I remember Man City as well. I remember they went to down to League One. Yeah. Still got 40,000 in main <laughs> I think more than they get now for Champions League games, which is weird. I think they're bored of it somehow. I sort of preferred. Third League One rather than winning all the, the Premier League titles. What, what's um, how's your brother been this year? Has he been 
enjoying it? I'm really. Th- I, th- I think he is. I think he is enjoying it. I think um, from what what he's actually done from this from when he's taken over to now, I think it's been incredible. Mm. Um, I think that even now recently people are having a bit recently because they've drawn some games. Yeah. Been, for for one reason or another, um, they maybe not scored as many goals as they wanted to. But and they've turned to one of those teams that weren't scoring as many, but they've turned hard to beat also. Yes. And in a barren spell, and they're still in, uh, they're still in touch. They're not getting easily beaten by anyone, or haven't been all season, have no, they? No, I don't no, think. No. And you're, you're not going to play well every week. No, I think the, it's at the budget's fourth or fifth smallest in that in that division. So you're outperforming your budget. I mean, I guess in a way, your number crunching would come in handy there, wouldn't it? I guess he has to yeah. do a bit of that with the salary, with the salaries and everything, and the costs. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, they're punching above their weight." I think if you spoke to Michael, he'd probably have that inner desire to think, "I want to be getting promoted here, no doubt about it." Yeah, because I think he's got that drive inside of him, and I think it's clear. I don't think you'd have the career that he's had without having that inner desire and inner belief in yourself. Because no. he's not one of these people that's really outspoken about stuff, but you, you don't achieve what they've had without the the strength of character he's got inside of him. Yeah, and he believes in the sort of principles, doesn't he, of just of hard work, I suppose, which is applicable to, to any walk of life. Well, I think, yeah, he does, because uh, it was interesting talking to him about pre-season and things, how he's got, he's learned from lots and lots of managers and how he, like, how he wants to do things, mm. but he's also, he likes taking on sports science support, but he's also a believer of, yeah, but you've got you've to have that, that old school army day or anything, just so <laughs> when things aren't going to plan, you know you've got something to refer back to, to say, listen, you can do it there, yeah. you can do it now. And I think it's a bit of a, a team mentality, mentality that he's trying to get involved there. And from, from an outsider, which I am, from the outside looking in, it looks like he's got all the staff, all the players, all the supporters, all going in one direction, which is quite powerful and not, mm. and not easy to do. So that's a credit to him. How much is it in life, I mean, is it keeping things simple as well? When you were playing, was it, you know, you, you had your role and, and did that and kept it simple. And now, you know, your, your job is the property development. Is it, is it kind of minimising it to the basics? Because I heard a mix, mixed martial artist talking about how the more martial arts you know, the key, the less you do in a sense, because you just realise what works and you stick to it to a certain extent and you hone those fundamentals. Yeah, and it's just making the right decision at the right time. And if you can call upon previous experience to quicken that decision out, that's what it's all yeah. about. As a former defender, what do you make of, just as an aside, all the, the playing out from the back this season? We've seen some some howlers in the Premier League and stuff of, of keepers trying Cruyff turns and centre-halves trying to kind of beat people and... It's almost like managers now in the top flight in England, they're kind of, oh, don't worry, we'll, we'll give away the odd mistake. And you think, it's amazing, isn't it? Because the goal's so important in football. Yeah, it is. But it's what does it give you as a, over the course of a season? And mm. then it gives you more, and especially in the top level. If they make those mistakes often, they just don't play. Mm. Whereas at the lower level, they might not have the option to replace them. But they must, they're going to have more good than bad. And yeah. ultimately, it's a, be, it's, a be, it's a better spectacle, isn't it? Yeah. But then you go down to Cheltenham and you see the team playing out, edge of their box. <laughs> you still see the crowd going... Pitches, oh, tell oh. you what, you talk about Premier League pitches being bad, but they're, uh, they're good at Wadden Road, isn't it? League 2, I mean, it's... Yeah. Well, they used to win the pitch award all the time early in the early 2000s. Did it? Um, and then obviously recently when Gloucester was sharing it, it was just too, there was too much football being played yeah. and they spent less money on the pitch. And it showed... But obviously now there's only Cheltenham on it. It's it's in decent nick again. It's not. Yes. It's probably not it's as good as what it was in its in its prime. Seen tra- it, Tranmere's it ground. The, the oh, poor yeah. women are getting the. Was it Liverpool? Liverpool's <laughs> women are getting the blame for Tranmere's ground being in an absolute oh, no. absolute state. But oh, no. that's proper. That's an old school pitch, isn't it? It's from mud and sand and yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, it's not. It's not nice. You don't see many of those. <laughs> so when you go down to Cheltenham, do you enjoy it? Do you, do you miss it? Are you happy with the way things are? Definitely miss it. I wanted. I'd actually. I'd love to. Even though Michael's manager now, I'd love to be there at every home game. Yeah. But the way things are, I just can't. Now with a young family, mm. like this Saturday, I'm probably going to go. But I'll go after my older boy 
he's only two, so he still has a lunchtime nap. And see, if you take it, I took my daughter Zoe to the to a game recently. She was dancing in the aisle, not actually looking at the football, but she enjoyed herself. Yeah, it's a bit unfair. If I take him, it's a bit unfair with everyone else. Mm. So, because I take him and I want to watch the football, I can only take him for one half, really. Yeah, because your mum and dad are there, aren't they? Yeah, they go to every game. Every game. They were up in Scunthorpe last week. They, they go they go a lot of places. One place, did, did they go to Carlisle? They didn't because my mum just broken her ankle. <laughs> so she, she chose not to. It's and a good excuse. And, then, <laughs> and they're, they're moving house next week. But it wouldn't normally stop her. Wow. It, it really wouldn't. But um, yeah, if I go, it's unfair with everyone else because my little boy wants to jump around with everyone and yeah. causes havoc. So And he, he's, he's two, so he's not interested in football. Do you think he'll want to play football? Would you pu- Would you push him or just let him... I'd let him. I think sport is amazing. It's been. It's given me and my missus a really good, really good social life. Yeah. Um, and so your missus play sport. She used to play a lot of sport. Um, what sports does she play? Netball mainly. Yeah. Uh, but just being outdoors with people, she comes from a sporty background. Her parents were PE teachers. Mm. Um, her brother and sister both high level swimmers, swimmers as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it just gives you so much. I'll be at the moment. We yeah. take we take him to tennis. We take him swimming. We he's a bit <laughs> of a bruiser, so we're thinking, yeah, we'll chuck him a rugby ball soon. Yeah, and just just see what he gets, see what happens. Really, it's a good lesson in sport. Is the sense that I suppose you're doing it in business now that process repetition. If you keep going, you you do eventually get to a, to a better level and a, and a and a better place, mastery. Yeah. yeah, and they can they can make their own decisions. Then if you do, if I just keep putting them in situations, yeah. Hopefully they'll decide whether they like it or <laughs> it's not. It's fun, isn't it? You just, I suppose that's the whole thing. With your, you sort of have to realise that life is supposed to be fun, don't you? You have to try and enjoy it. With yeah. it playing football, not take it too, you know, the, your idea of stepping up and getting a responsibility. But I suppose looking back, you, you kind of think, why don't we just enjoy going to trials and stuff more and not worry about it? Because at the end of the day, yeah. it's supposed to be fun, isn't it? It is, but it's, it's, you, no one likes to make a mistake, do they? No. Certainly not expensive ones. <laughs> no. But you realise it's the only way you do learn, so it's a catch-22. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you lose money doing something, you're not going to make that mistake again, are you? No. <laughs> so what's next for you then? Are you what's what's next year, year three? Yeah, I think it's. I need to try and build. Well, build on this year. I'm actually going to leave here and try and shake hands on a deal in the next twenty minutes, hopefully. Fantastic. Um, in Cheltenham. In Cheltenham. Um, just to, the the guys who we're together doing this project with we want yeah. to do more. And just well, everything that I'm doing at the moment, I want to finish that off and then just go again, and just hopefully compound it. You're going to be, you know, Liverpool fans used to sing "We All Live in a Robbie Fowler House." The Cheltenham <laughs> Town fans are going to be singing "We All Live in a Shane well, Duff House." Well, they? put it this way: <laughs> if we're buying multiple in Cheltenham, I think we'll be doing all right. Yeah, I know. It is, it's a mad. It's, what do you, why is it so mad? The property market here. I've got no idea. It's a nice, but it's a nice place. It's because the Regency there. buildings. It's very picturesque. The fact that yeah. I suppose it's, it's you could argue got everything getting, in it. For you could argue when you get inside them, they're not they're not that great value though because yeah. the windows leak. <laughs> yeah, heating. They're not. Very well, they weren't made in the eighteenth century, weren't they? Or yeah. built in the eighteenth century. So yeah, but no, it'd be. I'd love. I'd love to do more stuff around here. Whether it's possible just yet, I don't know. Yeah, but I've got some. I've got some big targets and some big goals to hit. Good to Gloucester as well. Yeah, Gloucester's a great place at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I'm, well, I live over there currently myself. Uh, but yeah, the property market's doing very well. Good man, Shane Duff. Pleasure to uh, see you again. Thank you, Ed. Good luck with all the property development. Guys, hope you listen to the podcast. I hope you like the podcast. Hopefully you just listen to it if you've, uh, if you've heard me say that. Do rate it on iTunes. Appreciate it. My name's Ed Draper. I'm a sports broadcaster in the UK. Ed Draper 81 on Twitter. Shane Duff on Facebook. They want to follow your property stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. be there. Some wonderful videos to around the sites. It is incredible actually to see the development of them because every now and then you get a post and, and see how it's gone from rubble to, to resplendent houses. I'm also on Instagram, Ed underscore Draper 81. 
get in touch if you uh, if you like the podcast and want to listen to something else or what you particularly like or dislike always welcome to feedback cheers guys <laughs>